Welcome to Wake Forest University Department of Counseling Podcast. I'm Dr. Bob Nations, co-host of the podcast, and with me is my friend and colleague, Dr. Cheyenne Carter. Cheyenne, who do we have in the studio today? It's going to be a great show today, Bob. Um, joining us today is Dr. Sam Gladding, uh, professor of counseling here in the Department of Counseling. And one of uh, Sam's biggest passions is creativity. And he is definitely a creator. He's published over 50 books films. I also know he's into poetry, um, a real variety of the written uh, expression. Um, and so today on uh, the show, we're going to be talking about stories. So welcome, Sam. We're so glad to have you. Thanks. It's good to be here. And I love talking about stories because I think they're the essence of counseling. And I think they're also a major part of what we do in the counseling profession. The so, essence of counseling. Can you say more about that? Well, Clients come in, and we many times ask them, what's your story? Uh, and uh, even if we don't put it that succinctly, they're always telling us uh, their story. And uh, because we're good listeners, we try to uh, ferret out the important aspects of what has influ influenced them and in what ways and how we can help them uh, overcome or resolve all uh, the difficulties they might be facing. And I think that is part of our training as counselors, too, is to be able to listen to their stories in a very different way than someone would be just reading a story. That's true. Um, I always say I don't read fiction because facts are and are so much uh, more interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. And people are so much more interesting in person than they are uh, in, in fiction. Uh, so... That's a really good point, the, the, the um, multidimensional aspects of someone's story, right? Like when you're reading a book, it, there's just what's presented in the book mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> versus when a client is telling us something. There's a story they're telling. There's a way they're telling it. There's all the aspects behind it that maybe they don't even know to tell, but that we know that it's there in some way and trying to enlarge in and enrich in their story um, so that we can help them rewrite it in some in some way. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and Cheyenne, I noticed uh, even when you're... Uh, talking about that, you're using your hands. Indeed. And, <laughs> and, and I think that's one thing we can't see uh, if we're just reading linearly. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, being able to see the person and uh, as well as hear them and the tone and the inflection that they have, uh, it helps us help them. Absolutely. So what is it today that you'd like to highlight for our, our listeners about, about stories and, and, and what that kind of means for you and, and um, the work that you're doing? Well, what I'd like to do is to talk about our stories as counselors. And so we have stories. And of course, uh, you pointed out very well that uh, we uh, recognize those and sometimes we'll do genograms and other um, helpful uh, exercises that um, allow us uh, not to get uh, our stories in the way of our clients and not to contaminate what we do in counseling. And so I have kind of made it a, a practice to write down stories that uh, have to do with clients um, and have to do with my own personal growth and professional growth as a counselor. 
Um, initially, I uh, published them uh, back in the early 2000s and then updated them um, a little later in a book called Becoming a Counselor, The Light, the Bright, and the Serious. And it's an American Counseling Association uh, book published by the foundations uh, where uh, all the money goes. And so I have no uh, hesitancy in advocating <laughs> for it. <laughs> Appreciate your transparency on that one. <laughs> There's no personal gain it's here. But there are 121 stories in the book, and each has a little vignette at the end or a little. Uh, aspect at the end, kind of like Aesop's fables, that uh, talk about uh, lessons learned. And so I thought I would read one. Uh, And since many of our listeners are beginning counselors or people who are uh, thinking about being uh, counselors, I thought I would read one about uh, my first days, if you will, as a counselor after receiving a master's degree at Wake Forest University. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is called Encountering the Unexpected Bandits. It was a hot summer afternoon in North Carolina. I was driving down rural roads to my first job in a mental health center following the morning of my graduation. With a master's degree in counseling, I was sure that little stood between me and success other than the 50 miles from the city of Winston-Salem to the little town of Wentworth. On that June day, I took in the scenery and daydreamed. However, my euphoria was disrupted by an unexpected event along the way. There before me, in a hand-painted letters, were the words on a signpost. Quote, bandits, straight ahead, end of quote. <laughs> Holy Lone Ranger, I thought. Where am I going, and will I get there in one piece? My new employer had failed to tell me that I might encounter some mid-route turbulence on my way to work. Nevertheless, out of curiosity and intrepidation, I continued. As I drove, I saw other equally crude but well-constructed signs informing me of the presence of bandits. Fifteen miles, ten miles, five miles, one mile, and finally, just around the corner. In a gallows humor, I muttered anxiously to myself, if it pays to advertise, these guys are going to make a killing. Thus, I drove the last few hundred yards. I did so knowing I had been forewarned. To my relief, however, what I encountered around the last bend in the road was not dangerous. Rather, it was a dilapidated wooden building badly in need of repair, with a bundle of items piled out in front and a banner over the door that read, quote, Cheap, cheap, cheap. My brother steals, and I sell it. Welcome to bandits. End of quote. While 
I passed up the opportunity to go view what was hot and what was not. The memory of the day has stayed with me over the years. The reason, I think, is that the impact and message of the road signs that I read, what they conveyed outwardly and what was displayed ultimately uh, were dichotomous. Similarly, when we meet with clients, we may receive initial signs that they do not reveal the reality of their lives. On such occasions, the experiences we have turned, we have turned, uh, would have turned out differently uh, than anything we would have imagined on our way to work. And <laughs> so that's wonderful. That was my initial day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> as a counselor. As a counselor. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that piece that, the, the, you know, one, I, I like that aspect around, you know, these, these individual moments in our own stories that have somehow stayed with us and then probably impacted the way that we experience the next moment that's a part of our story, perspective and perception and, you know, this piece that you're talking about around dichotomous sides, mm-hmm. right? And and um, the work it takes as a counselor to be able to identify those two different sides possibly, or even more sides than that. Sure. Um, as we as we meet with clients and, and, and try to do good work with them. Sure. I mean, clients are multifaceted, as uh, hopefully we are. And, um, and what we see and what they present um, are not always what's really happening uh, inside them, the way they look, the way they sound. Um, Even the first stories they give us um, may just be surface material Mm -hmm. to what they really want to work on and what we really need to focus with them on. So absolutely, that makes me think about um, one of the courses that I teach in the program is advanced skills. Mm-hmm. It's um, a, a skills course um, in our curriculum. You'll take a basic skills course and then advanced skills and then move on to hopefully uh, to <laughs> practicum and to internship. And so in advanced skills, we're working a lot on the skills you're going to need when you're sitting with that that first client. And one of the, the modules that we do is about goal setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, oftentimes I have the conversation with my students around, you know, the importance of goals and really to help clients identify what it is they want out of counseling, our ability to document that for insurance and agency policies, but that there really is this space between, you know, awareness of what your original or, or kind of immediate distress is and the actual changes that need to occur for wellness to to, mm-hmm. to, to, to emerge. Sure. Um, and so that ability to, to, to work within a goal setting kind of framework with a, an openness and a curiosity that that which is going to be most helpful sometimes doesn't really emerge until a little bit later in the work. Yeah, I think many times it's um, it's knowing that we don't know uh, that mm-hmm. helps us keep going and also helps our clients keep uh, showing up uh, to mm-hmm. um, try to dig a little deeper, to try to... Um, find what it is that is uh, hurting or what is driving Mm -hmm. or what is um, going on in their lives that's just uncomfortable and uh, that they want to uh, make better. And I'm thinking a part of that, too, is is I listen to stories and sessions and particularly like working with couples 
over years and years of, of, of my experience, all of a sudden I'll have a couple come in and start to tell me the story of their relationship, the story of what's going on with them at this moment. And I'll think, well, I've heard this a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. And I've got to catch myself to all of a sudden say, this is not the story that is similar with everybody else's. So they, they come in and bring in their own uniqueness. So it always uh, is important for me to, to step back and go, let me create a space and let you tell the story mm-hmm. to what's unique for you and to be able to listen to that uniqueness and what's special to them. And so that's part of what counseling and self-awareness is about, too, is that we don't jump to conclusions. We don't jump to hypotheses until we we spend time to listen to the, to the story. Yeah. I think it's like a good movie, except better. And, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and so if we look at a movie like When Harry Met Sally or yes. Sleepless in Seattle, um, right. we, we, we're hooked in initially, although we may think, I've seen this movie before. And then we realize Shazam, as Barney Fife might say <laughs> in the Andy Griffith show, uh, I don't know uh, this movie. I wonder about those aspects that are unique, as you're yes, saying, yes. Mm-hmm. to to the couple mm-hmm. or to the family, mm-hmm. and that did not appear when they first came in. Uh, Absolutely. Well, I also think oftentimes the beginning students will say, you know, <clears throat> ask about making notes in session. Um, you know, there's no way I'm going to remember all this. And you know, there's lots of different kind of theoretical reasons, I think, for taking notes or not taking notes. Obviously, you have to document after a session about what occurred in the session, but about actually doing that in session. Um, and it's interesting to me, like how much students um, will minimize what the mind can hold. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, how many of us took notes during Star Wars? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> you know, and yet the, the, the um, or some of the favorite, you know, my family, the um, Christmas Vacation Chevy Chase, I mean, like we can pretty much quote the entire movie. Sure. Um, and I've never written that down. And so that ability to really be mindfully engaged and to be able to construct within your mind this story, that's the thing that, that, that really does help you um, especially if you're, let's say, carrying a really high caseload mm-hmm. and you're seeing 20, 30, 35, 40 clients a week, um, the ability to hold all of those different stories in your mind. I mean, you, again, you got to do the documentation piece, but um, I think people that don't do counseling sometimes don't understand our ability to kind of hold all of those stories. But it really is just like, you know, watching a whole bunch of different shows in a different way and the way that the mind can capture that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and I think your point's really well made about uh, the fact that we can uh, capture that. Uh, I had a colleague one time at a place far away that will never be mentioned who, <laughs> <laughs> who used to take notes. And I remember one time he was coming out of a session with, uh, again, someone, and they uh, said, it must not have been a very good session. And he said, well, why is that? And, and she said, well, you didn't take very many notes. I, I wasn't that noteworthy uh, oh. with you today. Oh. And and so I think it's it's fine if people want to take notes, but I think you're correct in that we can hold that mm-hmm. in our minds and do a, a good job of it. And realize that possibly the client is creating a story right. <laughs> about, about about what it is that, exactly. <laughs> that yes. you're doing. And so, you know, the, potentially the space of being able to check in to see the impact of note-taking mm-hmm. on the client mm-hmm. versus forgetting that they too, while we are listening to stories, they are constructing a story about the therapeutic encounter as well. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we we need not take uh, notes except uh, in our minds. Mm-hmm. And as Mnuchin says, Salvador Mnuchin says, we can map the family in our mind. We can map the client in our mind. And um, and we can write uh, afterwards. Uh, and we do need to, to do clinical uh, assessments and notes. But, but that can come after uh, mm-hmm. rather than during. Mm-hmm. Although you all are convicting me because I've got to make a confession. I do take notes when I watch Star Wars. I did a genogram <laughs> just so I could keep everybody together. Well, you kind of have to now with all I the do, new ones. Well, I do yeah. that with, with, with series and with, with multiple characters. I'll, I'll do, sketch a little genogram sometimes to help me. <laughs> but, not, but not with clients till afterwards. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, but that, Star yeah, Wars genogram, that could get really interesting. Oh, all these new huge. episodes yeah. and it would be constantly. I've, I've got lost with the new ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I admire good. you for being able to do that. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get a little geeky sometimes oh, with that. But uh, anyway, being geeky is not all bad. Not bad. Well, and I like, you know, Sam, one of the things that we've been highlighting some recent podcasts have been around the, you know, the the various roles that counselors can hold and the various opportunities for people. Because it's sometimes students will come to me and, and say something around, you know, I've, I've finished my first practicum and I'm not sure I really want to do this. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, I think sometimes students have these ideas of what counseling is going to be like and then they they get in here and they start doing the clinical work. And then, you know, sometimes it's because they don't really like the clinical worker. It may actually be they don't like that population. They don't like the setting. It's not the right fit or the niche for them. So I always encourage students to keep exploring. But I also think that we really minimize the opportunities that are in the counseling field. Um, mm-hmm. We're obviously counseling. It, it is what we're trained to do, and it is what we can do. But you know, there's lots of opportunities to write, whether you're writing, you know, what I like about your work is some of it is specifically for those of us in the counseling field with textbooks and things like that. Um, you know, but there's other writing that's kind of, um, I don't know the category that I would even call it, like not popular writing, but kind of, you know, that would potentially be really enjoyed even by the general public. Sure. Um, and so whether, you know, I know I have some friends who do some self-help books and things like that, mm-hmm. um, and then possibly do talks off their books and they're doing teachings and presentations. And there really are so many opportunities to take the knowledge base that they're going to get here at um, the Department of Counseling at Wake Forest and, and, and use that knowledge in a lot of different ways. Right, right. And I think as uh, professors here, we we do tell stories about uh, our own experiences, experiences of others, mm-hmm. uh, as you pointed out, and uh, experiences that our students uh, may well have that they did not anticipate. I mean, if Columbus had r- really realized by sailing west he was not going to reach India— I'm not sure he would have gone. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. And Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we are explorers in the best sense of that word, um, exploring ourselves, exploring uh, others uh, who give us the privilege of being in their lives and uh, helping them navigate. Um, And uh, sometimes in society by, again, exploring what possibilities can we propose that would make um, our uh, world better and would make people's lives enriched and fulfilled. Well, and I think that, mm. that also forms, 
even in the social justice movement, that the, the, the invitation that we really are having um, as a culture, as a country, as a society internationally is about becoming better listeners of each other's stories and suspending our own bias and assumptions that are based on our storyline and really, truly empathetically leaning into the stories of other people who have vastly different experiences than, than we may. And that's that's the foundation where a lot of the advocacy work, I think, is happening in the counseling field as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stories can keep us alive. I mean, if, if you know much about the background of the uh, tales of the Arabian Nights, uh, the uh, queen uh, who uh, told those stories did it because, on, tragically, the man she uh, had married, the king, uh, was in the habit of marrying someone and then, um, uh, well, uh, how do we say, terminating their, their, their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she told him a story the first night of their marriage, and, but didn't end it. And she picked it up the next day and didn't end it. And that continued until we have uh, the uh, Tales of the Arabian Nights. And more importantly for their relationship, they fell in love. <laughs> and so, and so uh. stories have a way of not only saving our lives, but enriching them yes. and bringing us uh, into relationships that we may not have expected. It's <laughs> a very good example. <laughs> I try. <laughs> uh, so, so I think it's just really important for us to uh, know our own stories, to know the stories of those with whom we work uh, as clients, and, and to know the stories of those that we're in relationship with as colleagues and as family members. Um, and because, again, that gives us insight uh, that we will not get just by knowing the facts. Mm. So our lives are richer, are more meaningful, have more purpose, and really help us grow and thrive as we encounter the stories and tell the stories. I couldn't have said it better. (laughs) (laughs) Very nicely put. Sam, Sam, thank you so much for being with us. It's always a treat to have a superstar like Sam join us. And um, is there anything that you'd like to say before we conclude our time together? Well, the only thing I would say is is stories come from reflection. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we're in the middle of a situation, we may not um, be as aware as we are later. And that's true with clients, too, Mm -hmm. as well as uh, who we are as uh, counselors and who we are as human beings. So uh, reflection, reflection, reflection. Nice. Uh, That's a really great reminder. And I think that in the Department of Counseling and coursework, we, we um, create a lot of opportunities for students to do that. That it's not just about learning the mm-hmm. content, the textbooks, the lectures, the exams, but there's lots of, um, for those prospective students, you know, to kind of get a sense of what you might um, experience with us, that, you know, there's lots of opportunities for that personal reflection because, um, 
you know, we never should ask our clients to do things that we're not willing to do ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's what we often mm-hmm. tell them. But yes. that, that reflection piece yes. is, is so key. And so um, that's one of the things I love about our courses here, um, that I think we do a nice job of uh, creating opportunities for students to deepen their understanding of their story. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I think we personalize the uh, professional process of uh, oh, yeah. of learning. Oh, absolutely. Well said. I like that. All right. Well, we are delighted to have Dr. Gladding with us today and talk about the subject of telling stories. And we thank you, Sam, for being with us. Sure. And as always, it's a delight to come together and hear from our faculty and to be together. So let us go forth and create new stories as we grow and learn together. 